Well, I can promise you, I never thought I would be doing this. But I want to thank Whitney for asking me to be here this morning. If there's one thing I have come to understand, particularly in recent years, it is that God has a way of nudging me toward where it is that I am supposed to go. And I'm grateful that I have, after a long time of trying to do things my way, learned to pay attention to those nudges. They are good. They mean growth. So here goes, and I apologize in advance if I get a little choked up. Come down, O love divine, seek thou this soul of mine, and visit it with thine own glowing. Oh, comforter, draw near within my heart appear and kindle it thy holy flame bestowing. I am no theologian. Most of the scripture that I get comes on Sundays through the lessons for that day, the prayers, and the hymns. But it has always struck me, as the retired Bishop of Durham, that's England, not North Carolina, N.T. Wright has written that Paul's letter to the church in Rome is, after the Gospels, perhaps the single most important book in the New Testament. In his commentary on the New Interpreter's Bible, Bishop Wright says, quote, We are here dealing with a work of massive substance, presenting a formidable intellectual challenge while offering a breathtaking theological and spiritual vision. The Epistle to the Romans contains two tremendous and amazing spiritual points, that we as Christians may receive the gift of God's grace and forgiveness through our faith, and that we can be assured of the hope of our salvation because Jesus Christ has freed us from sin. The passage we heard just now, which I read at my mother's funeral back in 1991, contains two of the most oft-quoted verses of Scripture. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose is the first. The other, the one that means a lot to me, is, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us God loves each of us individually, a lot. God loves us so much that God's Son, Jesus, was sent to us so that we could get a glimpse of just how much God loves us. Now, I've always believed in God from childhood on, but for many, many years, even as a pretty regular churchgoer, I had a very hard time 
accepting God's love for me as an individual, one of seven billion people on this planet of who knows, well, God knows, how many planets in the universe. But a funny thing about God is God's persistence. Despite my doubts, and the great Christian writer Madeline Lingle famously said that she had faith with all of her doubts, God has never let go of me. And as I look back now, I see that many of those nudges that I have received have come to me through music. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Now, I've told this story before. In the 60s in North Carolina, Episcopalians were expected to sing in church, but politely. And that was certainly true of my home parish, the Church of the Good Shepherd, in downtown Raleigh. Singing politely meant that if the folks more than two pews in front of you could hear you, you were too loud. <laughs> when I was eight or ten, I remember getting looks from people in the pews around me, funny looks perhaps, but I couldn't help myself. I just had too much fun. I still do. Fast forward to ninth grade, when my school choir performed Schubert's Mass in G Major, a movement of which Tom Carr, Trevor Carr, and my daughter Maddie sang here last year. Benedictus scrivenit in nomine Domini. What I remember from that concert is that I had an out-of-body experience. I believe that the Holy Spirit took me to some place outside of myself from which I watched myself singing even as I was singing. I can't explain it, but I sure do think that that's what God feels like. And I'm going to call it grace. Our opening hymn today called it a new dimension. I've had that exact same sensation at other times in my musical life too singing in the chorus of the great council chamber scene of Verdi's opera Simón Bocanegra, singing my first performance of Don José in Bizet's opera Carmen, singing the tenor solo in Beethoven's Ninth Symphony at the New York Philharmonic, singing Verdi's Mesa di Requiem in a 2,000-year-old Roman amphitheater, the Arena di Verona, jumping in on short notice at Glyndebourne just a year ago to sing the demanding lead tenor role of Bacchus, in Richard Strauss's Ariadne auf Naxos, which incidentally was the opera in which I made my professional debut in 1985, singing a role that has exactly one line, <laughs> which I still remember. <laughs> in each of these moments of grace and at countless others along the way, the Holy Spirit has lifted me up and taken me to some magical place that I can't explain, except to say that it's a place of beauty, warmth, and peace. 
The Holy Spirit has given me moments of God's grace at other times, too, under circumstances both serious and joyous. I had two alcohol-related car wrecks, I will not call them accidents, in my early 20s. My wife Jackie and I sat with my mother as she drew her last breath and then stopped, never to breathe again. I was present when each of my daughters, Maddie and Caroline, was born, and when each of them was baptized, Maddie at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, and Caroline right there at our baptismal font. Just what have all of these moments of grace been about? And why do I believe that God has taken such an interest in me anyway? I mean, I've been a sinner, guilty at one time or another of each of the seven deadly sins, occasionally at the same time. (laughs) Mind you, I'm talking about the seven deadly sins of pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth, not necessarily the Ten Commandments, (laughs) but even so. It is all too easy to follow the devices and desires of our own hearts, as our prayer book puts it. I have not always loved my neighbor as myself, and I have not always loved God with all of my heart, mind, and soul. So why has God been persistent with me, and why would God want me with all of the mistakes I've made along the way anyway? My song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake My Lord should take frail flesh and die. The great thing about that hymn is how many times the word friend appears in the text. I have come to believe that this is because God knows more than I do, cares more than I can comprehend, and desires that each of us might experience this infinite love. And nothing I might do or have done will stop God from loving me, nor stop God from loving any of us. That's what Paul was talking about in today's epistle, because even with the mistakes I have made along the way, like Paul, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One last thought. And this is something that gives me goosebumps when I marvel at it. How did God, working through the Holy Spirit with great persistence, guide me from becoming a consumer to an owner to an investor in this thing we call faith. I'll tell you what I think happened. God used you. God has used and continues to use this place and the people who call it home, the people of St. Stephen's, over these last 17 and a half years. The moments of grace that I have experienced in my life, musical and non-musical, have been but flashes. But the real lessons of God's love are the ones I have learned from you. I'll mention a few names. 
but these are just a few of you who have impacted my life in more ways than you can know. I've seen Scott Tepurzer transform this house of worship musically, and I know the joy that this congregation feels about worship. I've seen John Brotherhood assemble nutmeg booths on a humid evening, his six-foot-seven-inch frame holding up two-by-fours, while others attach the nuts and bolts at either end. Shelly Keyes spent a Saturday in North Hall last year making lunch for 75 people who were attending safe church training. Libby Sassano taught my kids in preschool. Gene Jacobs taught them in elementary school. Rob Kinnaird loves this place and knows it so well that when he sees something needs doing, he just does it. Earl Sloan faithfully takes Holy Communion to those who can't be with us on Sundays. Pat Carlson and Georgia Carrington do more in a week here than I might do in half a year. I've seen our acolytes volunteer for extra services at Christmas and Holy Week. Our seniors carry their weight and more in our various lay ministries. I can't begin to appreciate all that Sharon Lavatory does for the hungry in our community. Nancy Tortora has raised two fine young men after losing her dear husband, Mike. And I never knew Ted Seibert's son, Scott. But if he was anything like Ted, he must have been a very fine young man indeed. Who is the church? It's right there in the third and fourth letters of that word. You are. You, the people of St. Stephen's, have been and are indeed Christ's hands and feet, as Whitney often says. Remember what Paul wrote. All things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I am eternally grateful to God that he has not let go of me for all my faults and has been persistent enough with me that I became willing to lower my armor and embrace this place and you. Two weeks ago, I was down in Raleigh visiting my dad, and I worshiped again at the Church of the Good Shepherd. I'll close here with a hymn I learned there many years ago. In the old 1940 hymnal, it used to be included in a section called Hymns for Children, but it's certainly appropriate for all ages. I think you'll remember it. It's also printed in the leaflet. Please join me in the second and third verses. I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a soldier, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean God helping to be one too. They love their Lord. 